Welcome to the Subtle Cane Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, broadcasting from the Aorta of America, beautiful festival city, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we pump out reason and pierce through the propaganda. Here we go. Welcome to 2022. Wow. That even sounds strange to say. I guess it shouldn't surprise me. It's just one more year, right? If this is your first time listening to the Subtle Cane Podcast, thank you for gracing us with your virtual presence. If you're a returning listener, thank you for your continued support. This is episode 11 of the Subtle Cane Podcast. The show must go on. We're going to start getting into the topic of mass formation, but we're not quite there. It's a very complex issue, and I think it deserves more than a brief summary of the elements. I believe that it warrants some background information and some adjacent concepts and references. And surprising absolutely no one who's listened to this podcast, I will begin with a quote from Dr. Mirlu, one that I have shared before. Quote, To the degree that the individual is made an object of constant mental manipulation, to the degree that cultural institutions may tend to weaken intellectual and spiritual strength, to the degree that knowledge of the mind is used to tame and condition people instead of educating them, to that degree does the culture produce men and women who are predisposed to accept an authoritarian way of life. End quote, Yost Mirlu, The Rape of the Mind. If you haven't listened to any of my previous episodes, I would really suggest it. And I know that sounds a bit self-serving, but I have been trying to present information in a a loosely organized fashion, and it might behoove you to have some context. That being said, I am grateful for your patronage nonetheless, and and I do sincerely appreciate your time. Now, for the sake of said context, and... Since this is the first episode of a new year, I thought maybe it would make sense to do a little bit of a synopsis uh, of what we've gone over and then talk about some other things. So we've talked about the three main types of reasoning in episode one, Sift and Winnow, which clearly was my initial attempt at recording as evidenced by the quality of the sound. For some reason it was echoey and well it's it's a process we're in a process the first type we talked about was deductive reasoning which can bring us to a level of certainty that we can't ha- we can't find with the others the second was inductive reasoning which can give us a high level of probability and the third was abductive reasoning which is really much more subjective and theoretical but is still very helpful and necessary We went over Plato's Allegory of the Cave in Episodes 2 and 3, Don't Go Breaking My Illusion and Blinded by the Light, which helps us recognize the struggle we face when our paradigms and beliefs are challenged. And that can be very painful, and it it can take a period of adjustment. As always, I say this to myself as much as to you. We We always want to remember to have a certain amount of empathy and extend grace to those who are potentially operating under a false pretense. Because once we lose our humility, once we fall into the trap of our own certainty, we become, well, we become more easily manipulated. 
Our pride can get in the way of true curiosity, and that does open us up to confirmation bias. The internet is full of people enlisting the use of algorithms that identify certain tendencies in us, and then feed us information that tickles our ears. In physiology, you learn about a mechanism called a positive feedback loop. And this is also used in electrical engineering as well as uh, several other disciplines in their own ways. But being a nursing student and a medic, it's easiest for me to describe it within a medical context. So let's say your body reacts to a stimulus by releasing hormone A. That hormone causes a chain reaction which releases hormone B, which in turn causes the body to release more of hormone A. It's an amplification process that feeds on itself, a positive feedback loop. We can get caught in an information positive feedback loop loop if we're not careful. They prey on confirmation bias, the peddlers of bad info. One thing I try to do is avoid advertising because I've gotten to the point that if I visit a website or I'm I'm reading some about something and it and I'm being inundated with ads trying to sell me something, especially if it relates to a topic that I'm reading about. I get I get really suspicious and I start questioning the motives of those sharing the information. Like, is that person really concerned about truth, or are they just trying to sell me some supplements or or whatever? I'm not saying that everyone that sells supplements or or whatever they sell has an ulterior motive and is disinterested in the truth. I'm not saying that. What I do as a skeptic tend to become a little more reticent with my trust when I see that. Back to our synopsis. We discussed ethics in episode 4, aversion to coercion, medical ethics in particular. Ethics being the branch of philosophy that contends with what we ought and ought not to do. We've discussed the power of language and the insidious nature of propaganda in episodes 5 and 6, Sticks and stones and come on baby light my torch. Propaganda is designed to alter our beliefs and behaviors without even giving us the courtesy of conscious contemplation. It's highly deceptive and manipulative. If you would lie to the government, let's say, you would be accused of committing a serious crime. But not only accused, you'd actually be guilty in the legal sense. Of course, when the government lies to you which I hope we can all acknowledge, happens with alarming frequency. It's just called public affairs. And it's not only legal, but officially sanctioned. No, really. Look into the Smith-Munt Modernization Act of 2012. Take a little peek-see at that. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. We've discussed the use of fear and the promise of safety as a tool for manipulation in Episode 7, The Safety Dance. Elevating the ideal of safety above all else is devious, and it preys on those of us most vulnerable to feeling unsafe. It's predatory, and even though it affects people of all backgrounds, it is internalized so often by those who should be given comfort and assurance rather than fear-mongering and anxiety. Take a look at the way race or sexuality, gender, or ethnicity, look at how all these categories that were that were put, placed into, all these boxes were placed into, You look at how these categories are used to make people feel isolated and afraid, which in turn makes them easier to control. People who are afraid act on emotion rather than reason. We'll touch on that a little more, emotion and reason. You can train yourself into a reflective, reflexive response, of course. As a combat medic, 
we had to go through drills until we could perform almost completely out of muscle memory. You know, we'd be exposed to an unreasonable number of stimuli in training so that when the time came, we would react mechanically, sidestepping, well, not completely, but effectively sidestepping our physiological response to stress. We can train our minds to reason and react with a kind of muscle memory in response to messaging. We can prepare ourselves in a way that fends off the attacks of these propagandists who wield fear like a club. We discuss the use of fear and manipulation of statistics to further agendas in light of the COVID-19 pandemic in Episode 8, Market Arona, Smokey. Again, not as a denial of the pandemic, but more as an analysis of some of the responses we've seen to the pandemic, along with that interesting guidance from the CDC. I've spoken about faith in Episode 9, What's the Frequency, Pascal? About belief in something that transcends the physical world, and defends against the mechanical and unloving pro- approach of scientism and technocracy. My assertion is that the supplicants of scientism and technocracy are much, are much more susceptible to a devaluation of human life and inherent rights. Much more susceptible. I, I'm not asserting that religion as such is automatically beneficial. You know, Many atrocities have been carried out in God's name. And of course, we just covered scientism in episode 10, They blinded us with science, which is the belief that all we can know, all we can know is what we can measure and see by a strictly material perspective. I propose, I propose that these are fertile grounds for tyranny to take seed. If there is nothing more than the material world and a mindless, blind, cosmic jackpot which created the universe and life, well, then we get into the many imperfect systems that we can create to control the world around us in a way that, what, creates the most utility, creates the most wealth, creates the most equality? Of course, the concept of equality is the one thing that nature has pointed out to us in no uncertain terms (laughs) that is entirely unnatural. Equality is a difficult goal to justify if we are all only products of impersonal happenstance. Spend only a brief moment observing nature, and one can only marvel at the cruel indifference of life. So, that's a brief synopsis of the material we've covered in 2021, in our first 10 episodes. Yay, 10 episodes, that's exciting. I I believe that it can be helpful to occasionally reflect on the progress we've made. I want to say, and I think it's necessary to mention that... I. I couldn't do this without the encouragement of my wife, family, and friends. Not this consistently in any event. It does take time to gather my thoughts and assemble the outlines for episodes. But I do truly love it. Don't get me wrong, I do. I felt such an overwhelming sense of satisfaction being able to enlist my creative spirit and focus on topics that interest me. And I sincerely hope interest you. I also love the idea that there's a chance... That something I've said or brought to attention may possibly enrich another's life or inspire curiosity in someone's mind. Okay, let's talk about some adjacent issues related to mass formation. I'm working my way through several books right now and trying to build a rapport with the concepts of crowd psychology and mass delusion. I think we should address some aspects of society that contribute to a certain vulnerability. Let's say to deception. In the introduction to 
The Crowd, A Study of the Popular Mind by Gustave Laban, Laban says this of social change of grand proportions, quote, The great upheavals which precede changes of civilizations, such as the fall of the Roman Empire and the foundation of the Arabian Empire, seem at first sight determined more especially by political transformations, foreign invasion, or the overthrow of dynasties. But a more attentive study of these events shows that behind these apparent causes, the real cause is generally seen to be a profound modification of ideas of the peoples. The true historical upheavals are not those which astonish us by their grandeur and violence. The important changes whence the renewal of civilizations result affect ideas, conceptions, and beliefs. The memorable events of history are the visible effects of the invisible changes of human thought. End quote. So behind the quite obvious turmoil involved in the geopolitical and societal changes we witness, there is an underlying shift in perception that manifests itself invisible effects. Regimes are toppled and empires crumble in response to an ideological coup de grace. We will be addressing in more detail some of the theories about what has changed and how it has affected us. That is a topic which has earned the attention of many notable and esteemed minds. Prior to writing The Rape of the Mind, Yost Mirlu wrote a book titled Delusion and Mass Delusion. The copyright is 1949. So this is a while ago, and, and you'll see how, well, how the technological changes that we've witnessed have maybe, maybe even influenced our susceptibility to delusion or mass delusion even more. And I know how often I refer to this Dutch psychiatrist. The thing is, you're coming along with me on this venture, and, I, and I'm working my way through several of his books, along with others. But, but I, as I move from topic to topic, I will change focus and the sources will necessarily be related. All that is to say, all that is to say, I, I don't mean to be tedious, only thorough. It has been suggested by Laban, Mirlu, and others that crowds perceive the world more in images and emotions. Think about the power of images to inspire emotion. A picture is worth a thousand words. It's a colloquial term we use for that, uh, that particular sentiment. Our brains react differently to images than they do words. We think in languages and images. Language inspires internal contemplation of ideas, whereas images inspire internal com- contemplation of feelings. Mirlu argues this, quote, A continual polarity between thinking and feeling exists, end quote. How much time is a society? How much time do we spend in quiet contemplation? How much time do you spend in quiet contemplation? Reflecting on my own life, I would say much, much less than I should. Much, much less. Think about it, though. How much time do we spend watching TV, Netflix, or YouTube? How much time do we spend mindlessly? And I I think we need to have the ability to admit it is mindlessly. How much time do we spend mindlessly scrolling through various social media or news feeds. How much quiet time have you clocked today? We like to be amused. I like to be amused. But what does it mean to be amused? Well, the verb muse means to think about something carefully or thoroughly. When you add an A in front of the word, it has the opposite meaning. 
To be amused is the opposite of careful and thorough contemplation. And this is one of the premises of Neil Postman's book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, that we have supplanted our curiosity and contemplation with entertainment and distraction. At great cost, I would say. And you can see how vulnerable this might make us to suggestion. And I get it. You say, life is crazy, Aaron. I don't have time to sit around meditating all day. I get done with work and I just want to check out. And I can relate. I can. I get it. But we have been so conditioned to a a constant stream of white noise and amusement that real, genuine quiet can almost be painful. But if the polarization between thinking and feeling exists and quiet contemplation is required for true introspection and clear thought, then doesn't it behoove us to begin the process of decontamination in our lives from the noise and a cultivation of, of the ability to suffer the silence in order to rejuvenate our minds? Today I sat in a coffee shop, reading and taking notes. I had several tables around me occupied. One woman with a, I have to say it in a, particularly abrasive voice, (laughs) was FaceTiming a family member or friend. And and I can admit that that I have a certain sensitivity to sounds. One of the many eccentricities my poor wife has to endure. But there were, and I'm happy to report, a few tables with people having genuine in-person interactions. But the majority of people were glued to their phones' screens. Technophilic youth, most notably, but not exclusively people hypnotized by their technology, and clearly not engaged in the world around them. I'm not judging. I'm just observing that this can't be healthy to their thought lives. And then reflecting on the time I spend staring at my stupid phone. Well, I've gone off on a bit of a rabbit trail, haven't I? That's not to say it was an unproductive rabbit trail, though, but it was a rabbit trail nonetheless. It may even be worthy of some quiet contemplation. Huh? What do you think? See what I did there? Just uh, justifying my wandering mind? Next week, we will begin in earnest to examine the observations made by Professor Matthias Desmond. We're going to discuss the elements of mass formation, the process by which the good professor came to the idea that we are witnessing a large-scale manifestation of this phenomenon, and some of the implications and responses we may want to consider. If I can't make it through the material in one week, we may spend a, a couple episodes on it. I sincerely appreciate you being here, and, and I value your time, and I hope you value what I'm doing. If you do, please consider emailing me at subtlecane at protonmail.com. That's subtlecane at protonmail.com. I, I would very much appreciate that, and I will get back to you. If you are so inclined, you are able to contribute to the effort financially. We don't have ads, and therefore there's no income stream, uh, which I'm okay with, but anything that you may be led to contribute would be much appreciated. It's not necessary, but it is appreciated. There are links in the show notes on, on how to do that. When you contribute to the show with your time, talent, or treasure, you become a producer of the show, and I, and I do need your help, whether it's time, talent, or treasure. Just, just being a listener, just sharing the show with people that you, that you know, um, please, on whatever streams you're on, it would be much appreciated. Just share as you feel led. And please, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on whatever app, whatever app you listen on. 
I I did notice I I received an email from Spotify and they have just added the ability to do so for podcasts. And it is such a help uh, to me for anybody who just takes a minute to do that. I really do appreciate it. And it does help. It trains the algorithms to suggest me to others who have listened to podcasts under the same genres. I challenge you to do this. Try and set aside some time this week to spend in quiet contemplation. It doesn't have to be absolute silence, and it doesn't have to be an extended period of time. The data's in, and and most of us, we have an addiction to amusement. I suppose we could really go down a rabbit hole about whether that is a, a coordinated attempt to keep us from thinking. But even if it's simply market driven and there's really not any intention behind behind that apart from uh, making you and your attention a product to be sold which is i think devious enough in its own right the cost the cost of this addiction to amusement is is a marked decrease in the time we spend musing or thoughtfully contemplating our lives and the world around us just try it Try it. See how long you can go without watching a video or scrolling through a feed. I don't know, maybe read a book or, or write some thoughts down about about your day. It can't hurt. Not too much. If we are to be fully engaged in our lives, we have to turn off the feed at times. We're going to have to. And we need to be okay with silence. And and this, this, this is an example of something we lost through the invention of technology of of certain technology now we may have gained very much and i don't dispute that i don't dispute that it it would be a a pretty bizarre position to hold for the host of a podcast but like i said for every gift that technology bestows on us for every gift that technology bestows on us there is a cost i mean how can we sift and winnow through the evidence if we're distracted by a constant stream of information and images we don't have time for introspection. We don't have time to really think about what's going on around us. We need to slow down. Slow down. It's not a, a matter of just throwing your phone away or, or not watching TV at all. I mean, it's an addiction, and, and we have to wean ourselves off of it, I think. That's my theory, anyway. I, I think that it would be beneficial to us. I'm trying to do it myself. Uh, I'm trying to to walk the talk here and and spend less time watching TV or, well, I don't have cable, but watching streaming services or just videos on my phone or, or even just scrolling through news feeds looking for information, which it's easily justifiable, I suppose, to say, well, I'm just doing research for the podcast. But that quiet time that's necessary it's necessary to rejuvenate our minds how can we recognize inconsistencies if we never even slow down and reflect on our days remember that saying i'm sure you've heard it before you could hear a pin drop that saying comes to mind the tools that are used to manipulate us are subtle and and like that pin dropping to the floor If our minds are engaged in a din of clamoring ads and bedazzled images, we will never hear that pin drop. And thus, 
our minds will ignore the still small voice in us that whispers truth. I want to tell you, again, it's an honor and a privilege to share your time. And I, and I want you to know that you are not alone. I end this episode with a quote by C.S. Lewis. Quote, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he who is running in the opposite direction appears to have lost his mind. End quote. For all you listening, you are valued, you are loved, and you are worthy. God bless and good night. Dancing flag.